All right, good evening. Good to see you guys out this evening. Thank you for being here and, and coming back to study another sermon on the government and God. I appreciate anybody that come out for a second sermon in the same day on the same subject. But like Brandon said, we're going to make sure we get this hammered in. Make sure that if at first you don't succeed, you try, try, and we'll do one more next Sunday. We'll try again. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. This was not my choice. This is us just going uh, through the, the book of Ecclesiastes and coming to this passage, and it's just hitting on the right day, at the right time, the right place, exactly when we need it. That seems to be how God works. Uh, he gives it to us when we need it. And I, I know that this book of Ecclesiastes has been um, looked at as an ancient book, and, and it's an ignored book, and most people don't preach it, and most people don't talk about it. But I think it's one of the most relevant books in the entire Bible. It hits us where we live. It hits us in our day-to-day lives, where we walk, where we talk. Um, and tonight, I think this is, is going to hit us exactly where we live. Uh, tonight, we're going to look at the problem of imperfect authorities, or you could say godless government, or you could say bad leaders, or you could say wicked leaders. Uh, there's all kinds of terms that you could use for this, but it, it's a, a problem that uh, Solomon wants to deal with in Ecclesiastes, and it's something that we want to teach tonight. How do we deal with living under bad leadership when bad kings rule? I was actually going to title the sermon tonight when bad presidents are in office. You're talking about views. I get all kinds of views on Facebook for that one. Uh, but instead, I titled the sermon behaving under bad rulers. 
So that's the title of the sermon tonight, and I'm going to read to you uh, the, the, the passage. Let's stand together, and we'll look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 2, and, and I'll, I'll probably won't read the entire passage to you. Um, I'll, I'll stop somewhere here. I might just read all the way to verse 15. I, I don't know. But I want to show you tonight, behaving under bad rulers. This morning, I think Romans was telling us, here's what it says. Here's how it is. And tonight is, here's how you apply that in your day-to-day life. Very simple, very practical, uh, how we can live under bad rulers. Uh, So let me read, starting in verse 2 of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And the Word of God says, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight, stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And who may say unto him, What are you doing? Or what doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there's a time and a judgment. Therefore the the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which will be, or for who can tell, tell him when it shall be. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. All this have I seen and applied to my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time therein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. I'll stop there because you see there are the bad rulers that rule to another's hurt at the end of that verse. That rule to harm others. That rule to hurt others. And I think that's a common thing in, in our world that you have rulers that are bad. That they don't do it for the good of people, they do it for the bad of people. And we need to understand how we can live under and behave under and be Christians in a nation under bad rulers. So we'll learn that tonight. Let's pray together and we'll study this passage. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. This is something very, very practical. That all of us, if we learn this tonight, can walk out and live this tomorrow. And as Brandon said earlier, this isn't something that's uh, hypothetical out there somewhere is talked about in in seminaries and, and in uh, offices of preachers. This is something that hits us where we live. And God, we need to learn this. I don't think these things are being taught. I don't think Christians today, and, and me included, have ever been taught how to live under bad rulers. And for the most part throughout history, we're always living under evil, wicked, sinful rulers. So teach us these things, God, please. From the wisdom of Solomon, help us to learn how to behave under bad rulers. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There are some things that never change. Some things that will always be the same. And one of those things, and we could go down a list of things and say there's all all kinds of things that from, from the beginning of time until the end of time, they'll always be the same. I could give you a list of these things, but I'm just going to give you one thing. One of these things that never change is the reality of bad leadership, bad rulers. Every society and every nation at every point in time has had a bad ruler, somebody over them, again, that rules for their harm and not for their for their good. And we've had our fair share, no matter who you think it is, because you, you, in your mind you're thinking of a bad ruler that America has had. You may be thinking of one right now that you're thinking about. We got a new president in that's, that's only been there about 60 days and, and you, you think he's a bad ruler. He's done bad things. He's old. He's senile. He falls going upstairs. That's what you think. You may think it's President Biden. Or you could say, no, 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 we got a good one now. We had a bad one from 2016 to 2020. That guy was awful. He was a, he was all the time tweeting bad things. He was, you know, you could say he was against, uh, uh, he was a racist or he was a misogynist or he was, you know, whatever you want to say, Trump was a bad ruler. You could go back and you say Obama was a bad ruler. Some people say, you know, it, it was Obama. That's who I think about. Or you could say George W. Bush was a bad ruler. He put us into a war that you may not have liked. He may not be the smartest person in the world. You could go back and you say, let's go all the way back to Bill Clinton. How about that one? He was a bad ruler. Um, George H.W. Bush was a bad, you know, you could go back. Ronald Reagan, nobody says Ronald Reagan was a bad ruler, but you could go back. 
And, and find you somebody in America and say, in our past, and say he was a bad ruler. We've all had our fair share. Every nation has had, every, every nation, you could say every tribe, every kingdom, every empire has had its fair share of bad rulers. It's not just a, a national thing. It's a global thing. I mean, you could go in, and then I mentioned it this morning, Putin in, in Russia, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, uh, whoever it is in China, whoever it is in Japan, they've all had their fair share of bad rulers. It's not just national, it's not just global. I think it's even local. We've had our fair share of bad mayors, bad leadership in towns. Does any, did anybody watch the soap opera that is the, the Town of Pound meetings on, on Facebook? If you haven't, boy, it's, it's drama-filled. Everybody has their fair share of bad rulers. I think it's historical. That's how it's been. It's how it's always will be. That's the case in every system. Under socialism, they've had their bad rulers. Under capitalism, bad rulers. Communism, bad rulers. Monarchies, bad rulers. Everybody has bad rulers. I read a quote this week, and I have to share it with you. Under capitalism, man exploits man. Under socialism, it's the exact opposite. Man will exploit man. Okay, never mind. <laughs> the thing is, and why is it that, that all governments are bad? It's because all men are bad. All men are evil. All men are sinful. Understand that, that when you vote, we don't put any man on a pedestal and think he's our savior. Every man is a failure. Every man is a sinner. Every man has, has wickedness in the bottom of his heart. That's every man, woman that anybody's ever put into office. That's why there are bad rulers, because all rulers are sinful men. We need to understand that. We need to, to get that in, in, our, in our minds when we vote and when we campaign and when we talk about our candidate, every candidate is a sinful man or a woman. So we need to understand that there's always going to be bad leaders. There's always going to be bad rulers. So what we need to understand is not how to, to put the right man in place, but how to live under these men when they're bad. They're going to be there. It's always going to be the case. No matter how hopeful you are for 2024, as you've got your candidate, this guy will get there. Or maybe even Joe Biden right now, this guy. Biden is going to carry us into the next generation and he's going to do great things. Understand this, they're all bad. They're all sinners, every single one of them. And we need to understand how to behave under bad rulers. That's what Solomon's going to teach us tonight. And I think Solomon knows this. How does Solomon know it? Because he's been a bad ruler. He's the king as he's writing this. He's one of the most powerful and dominant kings in the history of the world. He's a king who had absolute power. He's a king who was not elected, but was born into this position, and he answered to nobody. He's a bad ruler. And he's going to write to us. Look what it says there in verse 2. I counsel you. A bad ruler telling us how to behave under bad rulers. Let me give you counsel. Let me give you, give you some wisdom, some advice. I counsel you. So here's practical advice from a bad ruler on dealing with or living under a godless government. So I want to look at that tonight. And we're going to break this passage down into, into four headings or four points. And I think this will be good for us. Very, very practical. You can apply this every single day in your life. How to behave under bad rulers. So let's look at number one. I'm going to show you, first of all, in verse 2, obeying the ruler's command. Obeying the ruler's command. It says there in verse 2, I counsel thee to keep or obey the king's commandment. So it says there very plainly, very clearly, to obey. We've heard that before somewhere. Where would we have heard that before? Maybe this morning at 11, 1130? It seems like Solomon is plagiarizing or, or that Paul was plagiarizing Solomon. Maybe uh, he wasn't plagiarizing. Maybe that is just the consistency of the Bible and the consistency of God from, that from the very beginning in the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. God expects His people to be model citizens. To obey the government. He says that here. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that these are two writers thousands of years apart saying the same exact thing. It's the consistency of the Bible. I counsel you to obey the king's command. Obedience to the government is a universal, I'll say this, not universal, let's, let's call it a, uh, a divine command. That God wants us to obey 
the, the government, no matter whether it's it was true for Solomon here, it's true in a monarchy, it's true under a king, it's true under democracy, whatever system that you are in, God expects you to obey the government. It was true for Paul, it's true under Caesar, it's true for everyone in all ages that we are to keep or obey the king's command. I, I don't know if you guys are floored by this like I am. That I'm preaching Romans 13 on Sunday morning and God just so happens to put us in Ecclesiastes 8 on Sunday night where we're learning the exact same thing. It's saying the same thing. This isn't something that's just in one passage here. It's in the entire Bible. Obey the king's command. Submit to government. This doesn't change. It's true under good kings and under bad kings. It's true under, or it's true when it's easy. It's true when it's hard. It's true when they send me a stimulus. And it's true when they want to tax me for my dog. We obey the government. And why do we do it? We do it because of what it says here. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like these passages mirror each other. And I really only had to study for one sermon this week. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment and do it in regard of the oath of God. What did we say this morning? Reason number one was that government comes from God. And it's saying it here again that in that regard of your oath to God, or, or you could say it in, in two things here, two ways, that the governor or the government has their own oath to God, that they're, they're under God and they realize that. So it may be that this oath may be to the, to the leaders, Think of an inauguration that they put their hand on a Bible and they swear an oath to do their job before God. That's a serious oath. I don't think we take it serious. I don't think they take it serious enough that they bring out a Bible, you put your hand on it, you raise your right hand, and you make an oath to God that you'll do your job. And then we make an oath to be good citizens. He said, I ain't never made that oath. I never have. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And I ain't going to do it all. You ain't never made an oath? The ruler makes an oath before God, and we make an oath before God. Is our word true, or is it not? The Bible says, let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay. So if you make an oath before God, that I'm going to be a good citizen in America, you better follow through on that oath. And the best way to be a good citizen is to obey the laws of the land. So keep the commandment of the king. That's what it's saying here. The best way to keep a pledge is to obey the king's command. To be a good citizen is to keep and obey and submit yourself under the government. That's a, the wise way to behave under bad rulers. That's the first way. To obey the king's commands. That's a, that's a simple thing, is it not? Just obey the rules. Keep the laws. Do what they say. It's a good way. Number two, let's move on. It ain't going to get more complicated than that. Watch, just watch. So the first one was to obey, obeying the king's or the ruler's command. The second will be avoiding the king's wrath. Or, or avoiding the, the ruler's Wrath or not making him angry. How do we not make them angry? Look at this. Watch. I, I love this. Verse 3. How do we avoid the king's wrath? Verse 3. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he does whatever he pleases. <laughs> this, this, this is so good. I, I don't know. It, it's just so practical. Verse 4. Where the word of the king is, there's power. And who's going to say unto him, What are you doing? Nobody's going to. So it says there, first of all, verse 3, be slow to oppose the rulers. Be slow to, to protest against the rulers. It says that. Be not hasty, which means be slow. If I look at my kids and they're running around the church, I, I'm going to say, be not hasty. I'm not going to say it that way. But I'm saying, slow down. Don't be so quick to act. That's what it's saying here. Don't be so quick to oppose the rulers. And then it goes on to say, don't join or stand with an evil thing. So what does this mean? That be not hasty to go out of his sight means don't turn your back on the king. The Queen of England, you guys know I'm, I'm a huge Queen of England fan. 
I have no idea why, but I've made Gracie Bell the same way. But you know, when you leave the queen's presence, that you cannot turn your back on her? That you can't, I, I, I'd have to have a written rules to know how to approach her. Because you cannot, as you're leaving her, you have to do. You can't never turn your back on her. It's disrespectful. That's what that's saying here. Don't be hasty to go out of, the, out of his sight. Don't, don't, don't turn your back on. Don't disrespect. Don't storm out from the king's presence. Don't be so quick to join sides against the king. And then it says, not only that, but don't stand in an evil thing. Don't join an evil cause. Don't take sides against the ruler. Be slow about that. You've you got to be careful. You've got you to be thinking about this. Don't turn your back. Don't disrespect. Don't join the opposing side of the king. If you don't do that, you won't get yourself in trouble. Don't plot. Don't plan. Don't plan a coup against the king. Don't do it quickly, hastily. Think about it first. Why? And this is just practical. Don't join the rebellion. Why? Because it's foolish. Look what it says. For the king does whatever he pleases him. The king has, in verse 4, where the word of the king is, there's power. And who can say to him, what are you doing? So if you're going to turn your back on the king, if you're going to oppose the king, if you're going to join a coup and start a, a protest against the rulers of your land, you need to think about it first because the ruler has power to do some things to you that will get you in some big trouble. You don't want to make him mad. They say it's foolish to go into a... and, and poke around with a bear. Who, who, who toys with a bear? Why don't you... I mean, why don't we walk up to a bear and, and start poking at it? Because that bear's likely to turn around and kill you. So you be very careful with poking at the rulers of the government. They have powers. Nobody, they have nobody they answer to. They can do whatever they want to do. You need to be very careful. Let me give you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Psalm 57.4 says, I'm among lions. And Spurgeon says this about that verse. If you're among lions, it's not wise to pull its whiskers. Wisdom says, think before you fight somebody bigger than you. My dad taught me that. <laughs> you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. Be careful. These are the, the rulers are, are, are much more powerful than you are, so be very wise if you're going to turn your back on them. And then it says, don't not just be slow, but then it says be smart. Look in verse 5. Whoso keepeth the commandments shall feel no evil thing. That goes back to verse 2. And a wise man's heart discerns. I underline that word. Discerns both time and judgment. I think this is, this is so smart. There's a time, and again, this is good, to have some discernment about how you do things. I don't think we know this. I don't think we have this. Show some wisdom. There's a, a proper time and procedure to do things. There is a, a wise man knows that there's a right time to do the right thing in the right way. So if you're against the government or if you're against the, the rulers of the land, there's a right time to do the right thing in the right way. And a discerning man knows how to handle things. Nathan with King David, when David was caught into adultery and murder, he didn't go straight up to David and grab him by the lapels and say, How dare you! He was very wise and discerning in how he approached the king. Nehemiah waited to the right time to want to rebuild the temple. Daniel. Joseph was the, the rulers of his land. Very wise. You want a practical example of this? Imagine if I was invited to a prayer breakfast at the White House with all the, the, the political people, all the president and the Congress there. And old Josh, he got to walk in looking all nice. And the president walks up to me with his entourage. He reaches out to shake my hand or to give me an elbow. We're in COVID season. And I look at him and I say, how dare you fund abortion clinics? You're a worthless president. 
Terrible, awful. And I do, poof, poof. I spit on you. You say, Josh, that ain't wise. That didn't get you anywhere. That just made him mad. Probably got you in jail. That's not wise. Or would a wise thing be, Mr. President, I'm Pastor such and such from Big Stone Gap, Virginia. I respect your position. I would love to sit down and pray with you and to pray that you'd have the wisdom to lead this nation. And as you're praying, you're, you're, you're even praying that he would be saved and that God would change his heart and that he would rule in a wise way. I've had that situation, not with President Biden, but at Town Hall here in Big Stone Gap when they invite me to come in and pray. And I could easily stand up there and pray and say, God, you know these, these, this, uh, this council here, they're a bunch of wicked men. And they're ruining this town. It's, it's turned into a, a, a place full of alcohol and drugs and, and pills and, and they're doing a terrible job. God, I want you to curse them. I could do that. They'd never invite me back and they'd never come to church here. Anytime I tried to share the gospel with them, they'd be, nah, 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 nah. or I could go and pray and pray that they'd have wisdom, which I do. Pray that God would guide them. Pray that God would bless our, our town. Which one keeps the door open and which one closes it? You've got to be slow to turn your back and be smart in how you approach them. I think this is wise, not just with, with presidents or with mayors or with town council. I think this is smart with how you, you deal with conflict within a church. There's some people in a conflict in a church that the first thing they want to do is, boom, let's get it. Ding, ding, ding. Does that ever work? Does that ever get anybody anywhere? I think that's smart in a marriage. Steph does something I don't like. I didn't like those pork chops. <laughs> I would never tell her that. She's been... You know what that is? Wisdom. I could easily say, don't ever make pork chops like that again. Not smart. <laughs> and turn around and walk away, you know? No. Be slow to do, husbands, be slow to do something like that. And be smart in how you deal with disagreements within a marriage. This is, this is the same thing in a, in a workplace. I mean, this is, this, is, uh, this is something we can use in, in all of our lives on a day-to-day -day basis that we need to, to be slow to attack and smart in how we approach. This is, this is good. This is something we can all take with us. Some people, we don't have to always be a, a bull in a china shop. Some people think that they're suffering for righteousness' sake when in reality they're suffering for foolishness' sake. There's some conflict that you can't avoid. And there's some conflict that you can't avoid. And wisdom knows which one's which. And that's what he's saying here. Be slow to oppose, but be smart in how you approach. That, that's just smart. That's, a, that's a, a wise way to behave under bad leadership. This is wise advice. Again, at work with difficult people. In church, this, we can use this. Be slow to join and oppose against. But be wise in how you handle and how you deal and how you talk. I, I, I like what verse two, verse 1 says. What's this? I, I didn't read it. it. It goes with the previous passage. But it says there at the end of verse 1, A man's wisdom makes his face to shine. If, when you have wisdom, it changes the whole look on your face and how you're dealing with people. There's a way to deal with people. There's a way to deal with difficult people. There's a way to deal with bad rulers. So that's how you avoid the king's anger or the king's wrath. Number three, and again, this is, this is practical. I want you to see the understanding the ruler's limits. Understanding the ruler's limits, starting there in verse, verse 7. He says, for he knoweth not. You see that? Understanding his limits. He knows not. You see that? Every ruler has limitations. And that's what he's saying here. I want, I want you to see that, that we're not perfect men. I started the whole sermon out with that. They're not perfect men. They all have limits, and we need to understand that. For he knoweth not 
that which shall be, for who can tell him when it shall be? What he starts out with in verse 7 is the king doesn't know it all. The king doesn't have all the answers. Understand that. Our politicians may get up on the debate stage and they may say they know it all and they can fix it all and everything's going to work out. They're lying, lying, lying. They don't know it all. They can't fix it all. They don't have all the answers. They're limited. The king, and the first thing he says is, what, how are they limited? They can't tell what's coming ahead. That's what it says. For he knoweth not what's going to come. What's going to happen? Who can tell him? Anybody? Can he bring in a, uh, somebody that, that knows and can tell the future? No. The king has no idea what's coming. The king doesn't even have, have counselors that can tell him. There's some things the king doesn't know. You say, well, what, is that, what good does that do us? Two things. It helps us give a little bit of grace to our leaders. I, I, I want to be as, uh, do the best I can with this. But I think a president who has COVID thrown at him should get a little bit of grace from the people. One of the hardest things any leader would ever have to deal with is a pandemic that nobody saw coming. He couldn't see that coming. You say, Josh, you're sympathizing with Trump. I'd sympathize with any leader who had COVID thrown on his lap. I'd sympathize with any pastor who had COVID thrown on his lap. And all of a sudden, a year ago tomorrow, it's thrown on the lap of pastors, who some who had no idea how to do something online. And they're sitting there, what do we do? We can't meet. How do we handle this? There's some things all leaders don't know, and it's time to give them a little bit of grace. Some problems they cause. <laughs> I get that. But some just happen. There's nothing you can do about it. So we can give a little grace to our leaders and we can learn to trust the one who does know it all. Amen. I like that. We can learn to, to trust the God who brings both the good and the bad into our lives. The omniscient God, the God who has, has perfect knowledge of everything, everything that has happened, everything that is happening, and everything that will happen. So our leaders are limited in what they know, but our God is not limited in what he knows at all. He knows everything. So our trust is not in a, a leader who is limited, but in a God who is unlimited in his knowledge. That's, that's why we don't put leaders on pedestals because they're limited and they will fall as soon as something unexpected happens. But God never has anything unexpected. He knows it all. The second, here, here's the second thing. Not only there's, are there things the king doesn't know, <laughs> there's things the king can't control. You say, what's this? Verse 8. There's no man that hath power. Here it is. There's no man that can control this. And then he gives us a list of things that no man can control. Watch it. There's no man who has power over first the spirit to retain the spirit. That's the wind to contain the wind. You see, you see that's what that word is. No leader can control the winds. No leader can control the storms. No leader can stop a hurricane from hitting a nation. No leader can stop a tornado from ravaging our nation. They don't have that control. They're, they're limited and powerless to control the winds. But our God isn't. Second, what else can he control? The wind. Neither hath he power over the day of death can't control life and death even today with president biden he can't control who gets covid and who dies from covid he can't that's not in his hands he's not he's a powerful man but he's not that powerful he can't control he's powerless that's not in the king's hands and again, I think this might be from Solomon's perspective because he's speaking as a king and I think he's telling people, hey, listen, I think people think I can control these things, but I can't. I can't control the winds. I can't control who lives and who dies. 
who gets diseases and, and who doesn't, who goes to war and one man will die and the other one won't. I can't control that. I'm limited. And then he gives just another one. I think there's four here. The wind neither has power over death, neither does he have discharge over war. You see that? Our president could be sitting in his office right now having no idea that there's any kind of war on, on the way and somebody thousands of miles away can push a button and start a war with our nation and we'll be in war tomorrow and he has no control over that. None. It's like me walking the streets. I have no control over somebody coming up and punching me in the face. That's out of my hands. That's out of his hands. No power over war. Yes, sometimes they cause it, but other times it just falls in their lap. He can't control that. How about, the, how about this last one? Verse 8 is a good verse. No power over the spirit. No power over the day of death. No power over war. And no power over evil. Wickedness. Hmm. You can't blame the king for the murder rate. You can't blame the king. I'll say this. You can't blame Biden for a shooting in Atlanta last week. He can't control evil. He can legislate and he can make laws. But there's no man that can control the wickedness and evil in the heart of a man. You can legislate. You know what you can do? You can take away the Second Amendment in America and say no more guns except for the police and the military. But they'll still be murder. You can't legislate the evil heart of man. You can't. Now I want you to see this. Just because I think this gives us some comfort, we might be able to give a little bit of grace to our leaders in what they can't control. They can't control evil. They can't control death. They can't control war. They can't control the storms that hit. There's things that are just out of their hands and out of control. That's that's true of Solomon. That's true of, of, of Biden. That's true of Trump and Obama and Bush and, and Clinton and Bush and Reagan and Carter. Uh, I like history. <laughs> yeah. They can't control these things. Whoever runs for president in the next four years can't control these things. We've got to give a little bit of grace to these men as they try to handle these things. But also, I have a God who can, can, can handle all four of those things. I have a God. Man can't control the evil heart of man, but I know I've I got a God who can control the evil heart of men. That he can rein those hearts in and change them and make them brand new. That's our God. I have a God, a God who can control war. He can, he can start wars and he can stop wars. That's who God is. I have a God who controls life and controls death, who gives appointments unto death that no man can miss. I have a God who controls the wind that Jesus steps out and says, peace be still, and it's still. So I have a God who is above all leaders, who is in perfect control and knows it all. Our leaders are limited. Our God is limitless. That's why we don't trust in chariots and horses and men. My faith is in God to control our nation. That's pretty good. I trust the one who has no limits. Not the one who's limited. I, I, I want to I honor our leaders. But I trust our God. That He's in control. And He's on His throne. And He doesn't fall down going up steps. That's funny. You can say funny things. The Bible doesn't say you can't say funny things or, or, or make jokes about presidents. So there was the Third point. Understanding the ruler's limits. Number four. Knowing the king's destiny. Watch this. Because I, I think at, at this point you're sitting there saying, Josh, you're giving 
all these all this grace to these leaders and you're you're making them seem like they're getting off the hook and and we can't keep them accountable and, and you're sitting there saying but 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 all these things and, and now he's going to show us the, the problem that the, the complaint here what's this verse 9 he says all this i've seen and applied my heart into every work that is done under the sun there was a time when wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt so there's the complaint they hurt us they're not good to us. Their purpose and their goal is their own power and to hurt those underneath them. How can I give them any grace? It's not right. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, and then they get honored. <laughs> and so I saw the wicked buried. These rulers, I saw them get buried. Who had come and gone from the place of the holy. You see that? They had a funeral. And you guys have seen the, the state funerals for our leaders. I don't, I, I watch these things. I watched the, the last, uh, the, the, the daddy, President Bush, and, and his funeral just not too long ago. And boy, it was magnificent. They had a state funeral with his casket in, in, in Texas at first, and then, or in DC at first, and then Texas later on, and a burial, and all the presidents, and all the, the leaders came around, and they, they honored, and they, they saluted, and they, they got up and they spoke great words about, uh, his leadership. It was a hero's funeral. So that's what he's saying here. These wicked men all out to do us hurt, and then they die, and you treat them like they're heroes. And there's not one bad thing said about them at their funeral. It was amazing. <laughs> just, uh, when I watched uh, the dad Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, his funeral. Get this. I watched this not too long ago. That everybody who got up said nice things about him. There were Democrats that got up and said nice things about him. And CNN. I watched CNN and I watched Fox News. And CNN said, now's not the time to say anything bad about the man. They had nice words to say. Fox News said nice things. Everybody's saying, because at a funeral you always say nice things. You never talk about the bad things. I heard a story about a, a man's funeral who died, and he was the, the most wicked man in the town, and everybody knew it. And the preacher got up and gave the eulogy and spoke only nice things about him. And the mom looked at her son after it was over and said, psh, psh, you need to go up there and check and see if that's really your dad in there. <laughs> so you always say nice things, right? And at these state funerals, it's always honor and salute. And, and they were great and they were magnificent. And it was just a, the, the greatest man to ever live. But they did everything to hurt us and not help us. That's the complaint here. I've seen their funerals. They make it look like wickedness pays in life and wickedness pays in death. They were mean and hurtful in life. And when they died, you talked about them like they were the greatest thing ever. That doesn't seem right. They haven't paid. Look at verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the Son of Man is fully set to do evil. They were never punished. They got away with everything. There's no payment. There's no judgment. They just keep on doing it. And them getting away with it, thanks to everybody else, they, they, they can get away with it, with it because there's no judgment at all. It says there's no justice here. It looks like crime pays and pays well. It's corrupt. It's evil. It's never ending. ending. What do we do? We appeal to a higher court. Watch what it says. Here's the promise we're given. Look at verse 12. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. A sinner can do evil a hundred times, but this we know, that in the end it will be well for those who fear God. In the end. Take that to the bank. But then the promise goes on for those who don't fear God. But it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days which are as a shadow because he doesn't fear God. So understand that it may look well for him, the bad ruler. It may look well for him in life. It may even look well for him at his funeral. But if he didn't fear God, 
He's going to stand before God one day and he'll get everything that he's deserved. He'll be judged. Don't you think he's getting away with it? He's standing before the higher court and he's getting everything that's coming to him. God will take care of it in the end. The promise is God will judge all evildoers. God will judge in his own time. He'll right every single wrong. An accounting will be made. The funeral isn't the end. It's the judgment that follows that's the end. And at that point, there'll be no technicalities. There'll be no lawyers. There'll be nobody to get these leaders off the hook before God. He sees all. He knows all. He'll judge all. That helps us as we behave under bad rulers. Knowing that they will eventually, if they're not saved, will get what's coming to them. I said I was going to do four. No, no, I'm, I'm at four points. And this gives us peace. Let me, let me just read this. Verse 14, there's a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men, unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men. See, that's just there will be. It's going to happen. He just keeps repeating that. You need to understand, there's going to be wicked rulers. Unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. And then in verse 15, he gives us this command. Then I commended mirth. Uh, that's a good word. I counsel you. Commend to you. Mirth. This is, the, this is the end. He's telling us what to do with all this. And the word mirth is, I commend to you fun. <laughs> that's out of left field. That's what this is. I commend to you mirth. Because, there a, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. But that shall abide with him all of his labor, the days of his life, for which God gives him under the sun. You say, what is he saying here? What's this? I think this is the best part of the sermon. If you've hung out this long, you, you, you've done well. Some people can't enjoy life because they're so obsessed with what's going on in politics. Do you know the type? They spend so and, and and I tend to be that type. That I'll sit in front of a TV watching the news and listening to every commentator on everything that's being said about everybody and every way and every law that's passed and every stimulus that's sent. And if you want to know what's going on in the government, you, all you have to do is ask old Joshy and he knows. I love it. I mean, I was a political science major in college. So I love politics. And if God hadn't saved me, I would have went to hell. And by hell, I mean, I would have been a politician. <laughs> that, that was, that's, that's a joke. That's where I was headed. I was going to go to law school. I was going to be a politician. That's who I am. I, I love politics. And I can get so obsessed with it. Gracie Bell can vouch for this. That I sit there and I just, my face turns red and I feel like my, you know, my blood pressure is going to just go through the roof at some of these things that's happening. And I'm just, you know, just sitting there just so mad all the time. And everywhere I go, let's talk about it. I go to mom and dad's house, give me a cup of coffee, let's talk politics. <laughs> Fox News, turn it on. That, 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 that's how I am. I'm, I'm built that way. And sometimes you can become so obsessed with it that there's no joy at all in life. You know the top. Seems like it's getting worse in America today than it's ever been. That you've got people on both sides that are so mad all the time that they have no joy whatsoever. They're so mad at Biden that they, they, they have no joy, no happiness at all. Well, they're so mad at Trump, you know, just so mad. They get, go nuts over every single injustice. I think these social justice warriors are some of the most miserable, miserable people I've ever seen. Miserable. They're whiners. <laughs> this is going to get me in trouble. They're whiners. They're complainers. They're critics. They're mad all the time. All the time. Who wants to hang out with people like that? Staff's told me that. Turn it off. You're miserable to hang out with. <laughs> Let's watch Tom and Jerry or something. <laughs> yeah, Andy Griffith. <laughs> Turn it off. And I have. November 6th, or whenever the election day happened, 
I looked at Steph. I said, done. I'm not enjoying life. I go to mom and dad's house. Dad got Fox News on. I ain't watching it. I ain't listening to it. I know we got wicked leaders doing wicked things in a wicked world. I don't need to know the news telling me that. I'll tell you what I need to do. These are miserable people that just obsess with these things. Always some new microaggression that they're mad about. And there'll be a new one tomorrow. And there'll be a, a new one the next day. Uh, you, you can hold the door for somebody today and they'll call you a misogynist. Just, just always on edge about something. Miserable. I think their favorite emoji is the red-faced one. Their head's about to explode and blood pressure through the roof. And you know the top? And they're all over the place. They get mad every time their, their party isn't in office. What they become is a madman. Mad man. Obsessed with one thing and one thing only. Politics, politics, politics. They become conspiracy theorists trying to put the puzzle together, you know. All they want to talk about, all they want to post about is politics, politics, politics. But Solomon's saying here, guys, it'll never end. There's always wicked men in wicked places doing wicked things in a wicked world. That's always going to happen. Whether it's Bill Clinton, George W., Barack Obama, Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever the next guy is or girl. There's always going to be wicked men doing wicked things in a wicked place in a wicked world. And there's nothing I can do to fix it. So Solomon here says. It'll never end. You'll never figure it out. So turn off the TV. Josh, turn off CNN. Turn off Fox News. Turn off social media and enjoy life. That's what he says. I commend to you fun. <laughs> I mean, that's I, because man hath no better thing under the sun than to get you something good to eat. I took this advice this week. I did. I was studying this and I said, you know what? I'm not going to stress about it anymore. Old Joe Biden sent me some money this week. I'm going to buy me a grill. And I'm going to get me something good to eat. And I got a smoker. He sent me that money. And, and we started smoking meat yesterday. And I said, I ain't worried about it. CNN's off. Fox News is off. I've got me a hamburger on the grill. I'm, it says, I'm just obeying it. Get you something to eat. And then I got me something to drink. You say, what'd you get? Do you really need to ask that? I got me a new mug at Bass Pro. Big old mug. It says on it, give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> having a little fun and I smoked me some meat I had food and I got me a cup of coffee drink and I had my wife and my kids around me playing ball in the yard and there'll always be wicked men doing wicked things in wicked places in a wicked world and I can just let God take care of that. And I want to eat, drink, and I want to have me a good time here. I don't need to worry about politics. I don't need to worry about wicked leaders in wicked places doing wicked things in a wicked world. It's always going to be doing that. So I can just sit back and enjoy life and know that God's in complete control of it all. That's what he says. Enjoy life. It'll be okay. <laughs> I don't need to know everything that's going on. I don't need to have it all figured out. We don't need to be the critics and the whiners and the complainers. We just need to enjoy the life God's given us. No matter who's in office. Enjoy the life God's given you no matter who's in office. Amen. Have a smile on your face whether it's a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, whoever it may be, just put a smile on your face. And I think it'll be the greatest witness the world has ever seen when we're not in a fuss over a president, whether it's Democrat or Republican, 
We're just enjoying life, living a godly, peaceful, quiet life, worshiping God and preaching the gospel. Man, there's nothing, there's no brighter light in the world than a Christian living like that. How can we do that? I'll close with this. Because we know two things that never change. We'll always have evil leaders. Always. We need to understand that. I hope I've gotten that through to you today. There'll never be a time when we put a leader in office who we say, he's the perfect man. Never. Don't think that. Don't put them on a pedestal like that. They'll just fall off. We'll always have wicked leaders. That was true for Solomon. It was true for Paul under Nero. It's true in, we need to get this too. It's true in churches. You'll never have a perfect pastor. Tell, ask Steph, she knows. You'll never have a perfect pastor. It'll be true in 2021. It'll be true in 2024. It'll be true in 2028. As long as we live, we'll always have evil leaders. That's just how it's going to be. One thing always remains the same. Wicked men in wicked places doing wicked things in a wicked world. That's just how it is. But we can enjoy it because we have a God who we can trust. He's always in control. And get this. He will take care of everything one day. Because Jesus will come back. (laughs) And I don't have time to get into it. But I thought about taking you into, into Revelation. And showing you. That when he comes back. He's coming to rule and reign. And he'll be a perfect leader doing perfect things in a perfect place. Everything will be right. Everything will be perfect. He is the leader we're looking for. Not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, not whoever's coming up next. We look for and we hope for the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He'll come make things right. That's so there's an old, old old preacher said one time. I mean, it's a long little sermon he preached called "That the Google that That's my King." And I should have quoted it today. I should I should have wrote it out and quoted the whole thing to you. I probably would have butchered it because he'd done it so well. But he he named all these things about Jesus, and he said, "That's my King. That's my ruler. That's my leader." So one last word of application to you, and I'll close. Thank you for sitting through this government day at church. This, and this is just, for me, I, I want to circle it in my notes just so I can remember it. I'll put the, I'll put the date down, March 2021. We'll close the day with this. I'll look back on this one day. Turn off the news and enjoy life. That's my last advice to you. Turn off the news and enjoy the lives God given you. Go home and get you something good to eat. Go home and get you something good to drink. And you go home and be merry. Because I believe that's what God wants us to do. Enjoy life. I've told you before and I'll tell you again. Charles Spurgeon said, this isn't eat, drink, or be merry. This is, he said, uh, he, was a, he was a cigar smoker. And you say, oh, oh no. <laughs> he loved to smoke a cigar. He had a guy come to his church one time on a Sunday night and stood up in front of everybody and talked about how cigar smoking was wrong. In Spurgeon's church, everybody knew he liked to smoke cigars. I told my kids the other day, I'm pretty, I'm, I can't wait to see Charles Spurgeon in, in heaven. I'm pretty sure he'll be in the smoking section. <laughs> but after that guy sit down preaching on cigars Charles Spurgeon got up and he said I'm going home tonight and I'm going to smoke me a cigar to the glory of God <laughs> with a smile on his face and what he's saying there is it's okay and I don't think we get this sometimes it's okay for Christians to enjoy life and I want you to go home tonight. Don't, don't go home and smoke a cigar. But go home and enjoy life. I think God wants us to do that. And don't be so frustrated about who's in the White House or who's in the governor's house or who's in the mayor's house. 
Trust God and enjoy life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time in your word today. Two, two sermons on government. I know that's crazy. I've never, I've never done this before. But that's how you've providentially set things up for us this week. And, and I pray it's been good and, and beneficial to our people. I don't preach these things for any other reason than to help the people in the pews. That they can better live their lives in a way that honors you. So God, help them to do that. Tomorrow we can do these things. Wake up and, and just turn off the news and enjoy a spring day. Uh, I thank you for the day I had yesterday, just sitting on our porch, eating and drinking and watching my kids play, seeing the smile on my baby's face. And I need more of that in life. And I pray that you help us all to do that. Trust you with the things that we can't control and to enjoy the things that you've given us. You're a good God. We thank you for it. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.